Thank you for tuning into Calvary Life Keller's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged in your personal relationship with Jesus. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit us at www.calvarylife.us. Good morning, Calvary Life. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. I told him I need to do as little as possible with the mic. So she turned it on to save my myself. So I just want to open up in prayer and I just want to thank you for coming here. We are committed to pray, praying and supporting the Congolese people. We have many people from our congregations who are from the Congo. And so you just gave us something specific to pray for ongoing. Amen. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, Lord, that this is a day that you have made for us to come together. We do not take it lightly, the opportunity to come in your presence, Father God. So we welcome you. We don't come just to dance. We don't come just to sing. We don't come just to hear, but we want to receive from you, Lord God. The difference is receiving from you, Lord God. We submit our ideas, our mindsets to the Holy Spirit today, and we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Amen. I am so excited that this is the day that the Lord has made. You know, I just think about how We go through life and then we have these encounters. We have these moments where it's not ordinary. We have these moments where we're struggling. We're struggling to raise our kids. We're struggling in our relationships. We're struggling in our marriages and our homes and and there's struggle going on. But when we are faithful and when we are committed to seeing the goodness of God, he shows up. He shows up. So I just want to talk about what it is to move on with this new normal. This You've heard that term. It's annoying. I'm annoyed by it. You know, certain words you get so annoyed by. You know, I got tired of hearing the pandemic and now we're in post-pandemic, sort of, kind of, you know. Um, But what does this mean, the new normal? And, and, And so I've been thinking about the church and I've been thinking about the church's response to this new normal. And and as a result of all of this stuff we've been through, okay, there's been a lot of impact on families. Would you agree? Would you agree that families that were already fragile, relationships that were already on the rocks, you know, some people live with people who they don't like but they love, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I get along with my husband, and I'm, I'm really blessed. We were friends. We worked together. So we, we actually get along. I think Vicki and I were talking about that. It's good to love some, live and like the same person. But for some people, they're not that blessed, right? That their marriage works or their relationship works because they have outlets, right? They have the gym several times a week, right? They can go places. And so they have these, these things that they can do. They can go to work, praise God. Some people love to get out and go to work. But then when the life, life stopped, you know, when we had to make some adjustments, the relationships suffered. 
The relationship suffered. And I just think about when we were doing prayer walks in the community. We, we thought, you know, Joanne and, uh, you know, Sandy, Rocio, a lot of us, my husband, we went out. And, and we were expecting to hear, pray for my sick grandmother. I lost my job. And, 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 and things that were related to what was going on. But time after time, we heard the same thing. My relationship. I don't think I can stay in this relationship. I'm waiting for my stimulus check so I can move on from this relationship, right? My marriage is suffering. I'm, I'm doing this online tutoring of my kids and, and this is hard. And so whatever, whatever bandwidth I've had is stretched. It's stretched. So I really believe the church has to have a response to this. We have to minister to people where they are. Amen. See, sometimes the church gets it wrong because we want to minister to people who are here. But some people, they're here. And the beauty of the presence of God is Jesus meets us right where we are. Amen. So I encourage you to come out June 5th, this Saturday. We're going to have wonderful workshops, healing after betrayal, anger management. Even if you're not in a relationship, this is good prevention. Amen. And if you're a couple, bring your couple, bring your, 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 your boo, your honey, your husband out to that event. But also, I really believe that we cannot approach relationships in the same way. See, some of us are frustrated because we're trying to solve relationship problems naturally. And so today we're going to talk about that. And so, you know, I like to get information from people. I'm a conversationalist. I like to get information from people. So I've asked certain members of our church. I've talked to people in the larger faith community. And I said, what impact, what impact has this pandemic had on your relationship, on your life. And here's some few things that I thought was interesting um, and, and some funny and some quite sad. So one person said, the impact. Well, my life personally didn't change that much. However, seeing people around me getting sick or being afraid of getting sick, that was the hardest impact for me. Someone else said, life became a lot more closed off. Friends that I would see consistently were no longer available because they were socially distant or, you know, um, whatever the case may be. But he said, I became more, you know, isolated and I was, a, I was just afraid that I was just becoming recluse. Some of us like to be introverted and some of us like to be alone, but it is not good to be alone at all times right? It's not good to be alone. God created you in your personality type, but he wants us to be a part of the body nevertheless. Amen. And so one person said, my family has gotten closer. I often, uh, to sp I wanted to spend more time with my family. I'm paying closer attention to my health. Praise God. That's a good thing to come out of it. And I'm spending more time with God. My relationship with him has grown exponentially because of it. I like that one. And this one was uh, funny, but not funny. Um, she said, it, 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 was, it made me a little bit more cautious. Nothing really changed. I'm not going to lie. I have been more fearful since getting COVID. Other than that, it's really not, has, nothing has changed, right? <laughs> just, 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 I don't want to get it again, right? And uh, for me, lots of changes, virtual church, school online for kids, lots of adjusting. 
it's been a lot of adjusting, right? And adjusting is tiring. Adjusting is tiring. My husband lost his job of 12 years and he has just been hired back. He is grateful and refreshed now in his position before he was tired of it. But losing the job can make you more grateful for the job. Praise God. Praise God. When we hear what other people are going through in different countries and when we see the struggle, we realize that even in our struggles and our persecutions, we're blessed. We're blessed. There's nothing like a trial such as this of global proportions that can make us feel more grateful. And I, I, I love this one. This, this was a powerful woman of God. She said, I try not to be easily offended. I didn't realize how sensitive I was. I, I, I try not, I'm more eternally focused and less, less carnally minded. I was like, wow, I got convicted just hearing her. <laughs> I have learned to forgive quickly and walk in love. My boast is not in the Lord, but I'm so thankful for this opportunity. And for me, doing this, this pandemic has been a, a blessing, but it's also been sad, but it's also been energizing. And, and, and so me, I'm an extrovert, but I got to say I'm an extrovert who likes to be alone. It's really weird, but I like to go places, but I like to leave places. I like to get my fill, but then I like to leave. I don't want to see you every day, but when I'm seeing you, I'm there. I'm, I'm in there. I'm talking. I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. But then I'm ready to go back home. Praise God. So I'm in it but I need to be refreshed. So it was a time where I was working from home, getting used to this new virtual counseling and I'm trying to help people and, and, and I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm like really struggling with this whole thing because I do counseling and I'm used to being in person. And it was so funny. I had this guy that I was working with and he was like, um, miss, could you back up from the camera? I said, huh? He said, yeah, you need to back up. You all forehead right now. You need to, you need to back up. And, and I just said, okay, all right, just, just receive it. I, I, I'm not good at technology, but I got better. And there was a time when my husband, he said to me, I think you need to get out. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you need to get out, like at least once a week, because I was bringing a lot of stuff to him. And he says, you can't ask me what I do, where I'm going during the day. I'm at work. So he's working from home most of the time when he's not coming here during the week. And I'm working in my office across the hall. And I'm like, where are you going? I heard the car. What, what's going on? He said, you can't. I'm at work. You can't ask me what I'm doing. He said, you, you need to go, woman. You need to go and do something. So I, I'm submitted. I'm a submitted wife. So I, I go to work on Thursdays, right? No one laughed when I said that. Praise God. Praise God. And so I go to work on Thursday, but a lot has changed. For me, hearing the stories as a counselor, oh man, I had to really pray every day because you had one end where people were like, there's no COVID, the conspiracy, it's all a lie. Then you had other people afraid to breathe, afraid to come out. And I'm absorbing all of this. And I'm like, Lord, I got to come up with a ritual to release this every day. This is like crazy. So guess what? I had to get wisdom. I had to get wisdom. And that's what we're going to talk about. Wisdom. There's many types of wisdom. We can get wisdom on the internet. We can get wisdom from social media, but it is a certain kind of wisdom that makes the difference. There's the God kind of wisdom, and then there's the world's wisdom. So today we're going to learn how to apply heavenly wisdom from above. 
Because sometimes you are using carnal weapons for spiritual things. Some people think that you are struggling in your relationships with your children, with your spouse, because you're, you're, they're not listening. They don't understand you, and you're trying to deal with it with carnal tools. But we cannot fight spiritual tools, spiritual wars naturally. We can't do it. We can't do it. There's a real enemy of the soul. And so once we get that wisdom, that understanding, then our fights become differently. Our fights become different. We look at conflict different because the Bible says be angry and sin not. So God knows that anger is a sign that something is wrong. Anger is a normal emotion. But how Christians are handling conflict is a sign of their lack of maturity. And we're going to talk about that. I want you to turn with me to James 3.13. And I, I love this practical book. We did a Bible study on it last year, James 3, because I really believe that I don't want to give you my opinions. I don't want to give you uh, what I heard was good. But I began to seek on my own um, this year about the types of wisdom. And in 3.13, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let, him, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility. That comes from wisdom. I love that. Let me say that again. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. That means don't lie about it. <laughs> Bring it to God. Amen. The wisdom does not ascend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. James doesn't hold back. <laughs> he doesn't hold back. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. For where envy, that's jealousy, and self-seeking, me first, exists confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits without partiality and hypocrisy. And I, I think that's amazing because we sometimes can downplay our role in a conflict. You know, I'm having a hard day. Um, I, you know, I, I'm passionate about this. I am called. My husband knows I'm a woman of God and I can't submit to mess. I, 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 I need, I had a prayer request the other day. I need for, I need my wife to understand that life is hard. If she just understood how hard I had it, things would be easier. There's no responsibility for his role in the situation, it's all the other person. And so I want you to understand who wrote this because James is very interesting. We know the four chapters. We know that he's the son of the, the, the brother of Jesus, but, but James wasn't always a believer of Christ. This is, there was some family conflict there. There was some family contact, conflict between Jesus and his brothers as well as, as you know, I'm protesting that he's the son of God. And so for, for years throughout his ministry, he called him crazy. 
Could you imagine your older brother being the son of God? I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. My brother, I'm the oldest and my brother's the youngest, and he took every opportunity to remind my parents that I wasn't perfect, right? You know, this was his favorite line. I'm going to say it, Henry. I'm telling. He, he, he would always say, when I would get in trouble, I'll miss curfew, I'll do something. He would say in a nice, calm voice, and he would say it slow, too, just to make sure it, mm, it got in me. He would say, Ma, I'm not going to do what Yolanda does when I get older. <laughs> really? Really? And he would just say that and take a bite of his apple, and that's it, and walk out. And I'm like, yeah, you could have waited till my punishment was handed out. Now they're going to step up their game in my, in my punishment. And so it is hard being a younger brother. Being a younger brother to someone who has not sinned, give me a break. Give me a break. James knew who Jesus was. He knew how he kept his room. He knew him before he was the Messiah, the son of God. He was like, yo, he crazy. This guy, this guy is crazy. There's documentation throughout the, the New Testament about James saying he's crazy. And you saw the conflict. You saw the conflict with Jesus. You know that famous scripture where they said, Jesus, your mother and brother are here? And he just says, uh, you know, anyone who does the will of God is my mother and brother. Ooh, that's some shade. There's an undercurrent there. There was some conflict. You know, they were trying to like get him to come to his senses. And he's like, you're my mother. You do the will of God. You're my mother. You're my brother. And there was some conflict. So this was written by a man who understood bitterness. This was written by a man who understood that there's a continuum of evil. We think that we don't do evil because we're not pedophiles and rapists. We think that we don't do evil because we haven't committed murder. But ladies and gentlemen, if you have lusted upon a woman that is not your wife, you have committed evil, according to the word of God. And, and even if you are in your hearts saying that, I know people who say this person needs to apologize. My, my, I hear it all the time. My brother needs to apologize to me, knowing very well in their hearts that they need to apologize first. But there's pride there. We're all sinners. And so I love that posture just now by our Congolese brothers that, that when my husband prayed for him, prayed for them, they kneeled. They submitted it's one thing to have someone pray over you, but it's one thing to yield to the blessing. Amen. God has already prepared for success for us. Successful relationships, successful marriages, success in our finances, a successful purpose. But if you are not getting the fact that there's a humility that's involved and receiving that divine wisdom, you'll never get it. You'll have a pattern of historical, painful, past experiences. And when you get into a new situation, a new family, change husbands, change wives, change churches, you're still hysterical. I love this. I had a, a counselor of mine, um, a pastoral counselor, a friend of mine. He says, if you're hysterical about something, it's historical. So if I do something to offend you and 
say maybe it was like a low-level offense. Everybody would agree that, oh, it was something low-level. It wasn't intentional, but it was a low-level. But you respond, ah! It's historical. So you're allowing your past conflicts actually be your new conflicts. There's a continuum of evil. And so that's why God wants us to submit daily. That's why he wants us to repent daily. Because he knows that a little leaven destroys the whole, the whole lot. He knows that. And so we have to be careful. I know when I sense a, a, a bit of jealousy in my heart, I say, Lord, I got to get rid of this. Because I know that tree six months later is going to be leaking. It's going to be smelly. Because what happens is we nurse those wounds. And so when I have a pain, when I have a pain, the first thing isn't to take painkillers. You know, sometimes you have to, right? But we have to get to the root of the source. Where are those offenses? You have to deal with the offenses of the past if you want to have future health. You say, oh, well, I let that be gone. Then why are you having the same problems in new situations? God's after us. He loves us. And he desires that our witness match our confession. That our actions match our words. So Proverbs 3, I guess it was one of the first scriptures, chapters I, I memorized. But I, I think I had to because God knew, uh, you know, I was a person that if I did good and I treat you good, then I expect good. Right. It's simple. You know, like I'm not I'm not nasty. And, and so and so when people would do things to me that was hurtful, I would go, oh, what's going on? Oh, I didn't even do anything. I had to let everybody know. Oh, could you believe this happened to me? Oh, boy, did you know Trita what she did to me? Oh, and I'm talking about it and I'm talking about it and I'm talking about it and I'm being dramatic about it. And it's OK to go to a trusted friend and a confidant and confess that sin and genuinely say, I'm hurt. Help me see it in a different way. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm talking about when we blaspheme, when we begin to clamor, there's clamor. God's saying, that's evil. We're Christians. We're lighthouses. And how can we be lighthouses if we don't receive the light? We have to receive the light for ourselves. And so we're living in a dark world and Christians have to be his light bearers. And so we can't use the wisdom of the world. We can, but we won't have a powerful life and we won't win souls for Christ because Jesus makes a difference. We come to church and we worship him. We get the word and it washes over us. But then we go out Tuesday and we, we, we live like we don't know. It's like James talks about like walking away from the mirror and forgetting what you look like. He said that. And I respect people who say hard things when I know that they were there with me before. I'm like, OK, he can talk about it. And, and so the wonderful, the wonderful thing about the presence of Jesus 
There's, there's in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, Jesus comes to James after the resurrection and it was, and, and he begins to reveal that he was the son of God, that he was the Messiah. And it was a wonderful conversion. The bitterness, the, 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 the um, disbelief, the unbelief that James carried was changed in the presence of God. I imagine that that uh, experience that James had, I don't want to read into it too much, but I, I can imagine it was probably quite different than Saul of Tarsus when he had that conversion and knocked off the horse and real dramatic. I just, I just imagine Jesus just hugging him. Just, just my brother. You know what it's like when you're mad at somebody for years and then you got to see him at a wedding or an event. And then you just think of so many things that you're going to say. Come on, is that just me? Come on, you know you rehearse some stuff of what you're going to say, how you're going to look, how you're going to feel, how you so unbothered by the whole situation. But I just imagine Jesus just holding his brother and just whispering to him, James, it's me. And I could just see James just receiving it. That's his big brother. Wanting to get the affirmation that he always longed for. See, we don't have compassion for the things that other people go through, but we have compassion for the things that were done to us. Could you imagine I would not want to be James? Could you imagine? You know he was a favorite. Come on, Mary. He had to be protected. They're leaving him at home to find out where he is. Oh, Lord, where is he at? You know, we got Jesus back. He's home. He was in the temple <laughs> talking. He's like, oh, here he is. Don't worry about us. We had dinner ourselves. <laughs> it had to be hard. But Jesus was smooth. I could just see him just validating who he is. James. James. You know I love you, right? You know I looked up to you, right? Thanks for staying home with mom. Thanks for taking care of them. But in our offenses, we're so dogmatic. We're so prideful that we don't see in our families what we're to do. So Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. This is a good part. Be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Some of us don't receive the God wisdom versus the carnal wisdom because we don't see that we need it. Because we're justified. You don't know what he said to me. You don't know my father always does this to me. My mother, she, if she could not be drunk one Thanksgiving, I wouldn't have an attitude. I wouldn't have to curse her out and ruin my Christian witness in front of 12 unbelieving family members. So how do we do this? You know, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, we need divine wisdom. We can't walk in natural wisdom. But how do we do it? How do we do it? First of all, realize that we may not have all the insight 
on the situation. Just maybe, just maybe there's another element. And so I've been hurt a lot in my family. And I think about the losses that my family had. I had a, a sister, a, more like a sister, a cousin who was a nurse. She died in the front line of COVID this, within this year. I've had another cousin who died of a heart attack and I had my grandmother I recently lost. So with that, you know what they say, funerals and weddings, they bring out the worst, right? People wanna know who's gonna get the house, who's gonna get the inheritance, who's close to who, everybody's coming out and acting like they're best friends with the deceased. And I had to be careful to guard my heart because just because I knew on the surface, things that people did wrong, I don't know their heart. And I don't have that responsibility to judge what's in their heart. I have enough to figure out in my own self. Just getting to the gym three times a week is like a miracle for me. I'm like, <laughs> just get to the gym three times a week. Don't judge his heart. Just focus on your realm of control. And so a lot of times we can't even approach receiving divine wisdom because we don't think we need it. So we have to, number one, think about the possibility that we don't know everything. And yield, and yield to it. Do you believe that Jesus could make a difference in your family? Do you believe that the same presence that we receive here on Sunday mornings, the same presence that we receive in our prayer time when we're anxious then, and, and, and we don't know what to do or we're sad or depressed or angry and we walk out and we're a new person, can that same presence affect our family? So first of all, I have to realize that I don't know everything about the situation. I can't be wise in my own eyes. But secondly, I have to submit my real pain because a lot of us have been hurt. I'm not preaching this happy, happy, everything under the blood. I got to say my feet look new, my hands look new. Yeah, there's transformation, but there's real pain. There's real loss. There's people who've been raised with parents who are mentally ill and people who are substance abuse and people who abuse you. That's real. I'm not trying to minimize this. This is why we need the presence of God. <laughs> we can't do it on our own. You want to be a witness for Christ? Love the unlovable in your family. Oh, that's, that's the hardest. When I look for mentors and I look for people to, to, to receive from, I look at their family relationships. Not if things are perfect, but how they treat people who've hurt them. Because that's real. I need advice from real people with real pain and real hurt. So I have an altar in my, my prayer room and what I do is I submit sometimes multiple times of the day, <laughs> not because I'm spiritual, because I'm trying to keep my heart pure. Submit that real pain to God. Do not hold on to it. 
And Proverbs 3, 7 says, once you seek God, once you're submitted that pride and that hurt to him, it said it will be health to thy flesh and refreshment to your bone. Some, some verses, some translation says navel. And I was thinking like, what are you really talking about your navel? But that translation means the center of your body representing all health. So some of us are sick, healthy, young, vibrant, and have arthritis and, 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 and all kinds of autoimmune issues. And it's not because it's hereditary in your life. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it's bitterness. The beauty of counseling, and, and I love it, and me and my husband, we, we do some pastoral counseling as well, is seeing the physical transformation. I call it the bonus healing. They're coming for counseling for, for depression or, or, or family conflict or whatever, but the bonus healing is the weight loss. The bonus healing is the, 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 the blood pressure going down. And, and nothing's really changed in their daily lifestyle, but it's the stress of trying to control what you can't control. So I want to show you this. I don't know if they have it up, but there's a will of control. And this helps me because I'm visual and I need to be reminded of things from time to time. There's things that we can control <laughs> and there's things that we can't control. And a lot of times as Christians, we have this false burden of things that we can control. I can't get nobody saved. I can't get you to act right. I can't take on other people's mistakes, other people's feelings. I must be sensitive to them, but I can't take on that. I can't take on other people's behaviors. I can't take on other people's behaviors and words and actions rather. But I love this. Things I can control. My words. I, you can't make me say something that I don't want to say. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can't, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, you didn't hear what she said. My words. I can control my words. I can control my actions. I can control my effort. And sometimes you're at a place where you're not even able to talk to somebody, but I can control how I pray. I can call out my children in prayer every day. I can say, Lord, I, I can't reach them. Um, they're not hearing me in this area, but I declare blessings over them. I pray health and a sound mind over them. I pray prosperity over them. I pray that all the words and all the teachings that they've heard over the years, that it will manifest in their decisions. Amen. I pray for you to bring the right people in their lives, on their jobs, to minister to them, because you told me the words that you have for them. You told me the prof prophetic dreams and the, the visions you have for them. And I know that your word will not return unto you void. So even though I'm unable to reach them, I will speak life over them in prayer. I can control that. And so a lot of times we it, it's, it, have compassion on yourselves. We're bitter because we feel powerless. But prayer is an action. Prayer is an action that we can do. Okay, another thing we can do. Delight yourself in his presence. Ooh, isn't that good? You ever have a, a situation? That's why children are beautiful. Children are great um, because they take your mind off of the current. <laughs> you could be mad. You could have an argument on the phone with your friend or your husband or your spouse or whatever. And then you have a seven-year-old. Mommy, can you play with me? Can you be present with me? 
And you're like, not now, I gotta do. And they keep, you know, kids are relentless. They'll start playing in front of you loudly with the drum. It's like, oh, let me take this boy outside. <laughs> and then when you go outside, you start playing because you can control your play. Because what happens is God speaks through children and he can use anything to interrupt that cycle of envy, that cycle of judgment, that cycle of depression, that cycle of hurt and offense. God could be speaking through your child. Not by them giving you divine wisdom, but sometimes God is using them to take you out of that will of emotion, will of thoughts, what they did, what they said, what they said. And then you go out and you have the time of your life for 30 minutes <laughs> with a Frisbee, even though you're tired, you're energized. And you come back and you see things from a different perspective. And you're able to receive the divine wisdom versus the earthly wisdom. Simple things. We're looking for the big miracles. Sandy, go this way. Don't go that way. Wear a red shirt on Tuesday. Don't eat Wendy's on Thursdays. Sometimes God's just saying, come sit with me. I'm, tr I'm trying to tell you. You on the phone with your friends. You busy talking about what they did, and I'm trying to tell you how to overcome. Because I'm trying to bless you with more, but you can't handle more because you're allowing them to keep you in your past. I got a trick I want to share with you. It's been amazing. When I have a hard time, it doesn't happen a lot. Praise God, that, that's victory. I'm not bragging. That's just hard work and reading and loving and counseling. It, it really is. But very rarely do I have an issue that I can't let go. But it still happens sometimes. And what, what I do, you know, people say, pray for those, you know, when they hurt you. And God just starts to do something in your heart. That can happen sometimes. Sometimes it, I'm stubborn. I'm just like, okay, I pray for him, Lord. I said, bless him. And then, on their new journey. I said, keep him. That lackluster prayer. This is real talk. This is like, y'all want to talk about real stuff in church or do you just want me to tell you that you're blessed and you're highly favored? When you can bring that jealousy and that hurt to God, he would tell you what's behind it. Oh, my God, this was so transforming to me. I struggled with this gentleman that I worked with for, for years. And God was sharing with me. I was thinking, like, well, maybe it's this. I'm trying to focus on maybe it's this. Maybe, you know, being wise in my own eyes. But when God sat me down one night and he said, it's not even about him. You don't think that I can I can uh, bless you. You don't feel like your future is secure and that I can do for you what I've done for him. And that just transformed me because I've been praying like, Lord, what is this thing? Why can I shake this? Why can I shake this? And God showed me that I wasn't receiving his presence, 
that I wasn't trusting him as a father that has my future already planned for me. I was still being hysterical over historical neglect that I had. And everybody that I told what this, this gentleman was doing and acting and making things difficult for me, they said, yes, praise God, he need to be dealt with, because it was horrible. But when God started to share with me to change my focus from him, I'm sweating him. I'm magnifying that problem. And I just said, Lord, that's what it is. I don't think you can. I'm not trusting you with my future. That's it. Have mercy. Oh, my goodness. I can receive the presence of God. Now I have that light and now I can give it to others. So I recognize that I have compassion when I see conflict in families. I have compassion when I see people who are jealous and, uh oh, I don't like that or this isn't right or that ain't right. And I could just see right behind it. I don't say, you know what, honey, did he, he, he think he prideful. He doesn't know. I said, you know what, he probably struggling the way I struggled. He probably doesn't think God can bless him like he's blessing this gentleman or this woman or this family. Some families are struggling financially and they see their neighbors blessed with excess, ordering hello fresh, and they trying to put two payment <laughs> and they trying to put pay, do payment arrangements for their light bill. This is real talk. Some of us have the benefits of working at home, but most Americans have service jobs. They ain't no working from home. You got to show up at the, ho the hotel, the hospital. That's why it's good to get different perspectives. And so I'm more compassionate when I see people struggle with the bitterness that I struggled with. So we must delight ourselves in the presence. And did I praise God that night? so long and it was so fun. I got old school music out. I was just jamming. I was just worshiping because I realized my problem wasn't with him anymore. I just had to receive the love of God and I had to be reminded of the things that he said to me. And despite the difficulty and despite what I saw in my life, that it wasn't going to be my future. But I had to not grow weary because in due season, I will reap if I faint not. So it wasn't about him. It was about the enemy of my soul having me take my eyes off of him. Instead of meditating on his word, do not be wise in our own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I can tell you what he did. And honey, guess what he said today? <laughs> Change your meditation. So how do we... Delight ourselves in the Lord. Psalms 37, 4, 6. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. I love this. Trust in him and he will do it. This is, these are our eloquent words. Trust him and he will do it. Trust him and he will do it. Trust him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. I don't try to worry about getting judgment and getting, excuse me, getting justice for the wrongs that were done to me. I just release it. I give it to God and I keep going. I speak what I have to speak. We're not called to ignore stuff. But then I go on with Christ because with families, as I talked in the beginning and as I wrap up, a lot of our outlets were gone. We had to work from home. We had to, we couldn't go to the gym, certain things. And so 
we can't escape our families. <laughs> we can escape an annoying coworker. We can, we can avoid a neighbor, right? But we can't, we can't ignore the people that we're living with. And a lot of times the problems that we think we have with other people, God is saying, that ain't it. If you want to come higher with me, if you want to co-labor with me, if you want to partner with me and the Holy Spirit, you can't be so worried about earthly things. Come on. I mean, I love you and I have compassion and what they did was wrong. But could you come up a little bit? I have so much more. I want to give you the penthouse view of things. Don't stay down there with the ducks. Don't stay down there with, that's what he did. That's what he did. But that's your future. You are what you say. And lastly, shift your focus to God as your source and people as your resource. People are your resources, but God is your source. Stand with me. Are you a part of the solution that God has for you today? Are you a part of the problem? Are you a part of the solutions? Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with malice, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Christ forgave me, so I must forgive you. I don't have to be in close fellowship with you. I can make choices not to get re-injured. Or I can stay in fellowship but understand who you are and pray for you. I have cousins that I love, but I can't hang with them on a regular basis because I don't want to go to jail. And I don't want to have to report them to CPS. i like, no, I'm not conceited. I just don't want to go to that party because it's going to be some problems. I just want to see you in a safe situation. But I love them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you give. We can't fix our marriages. We can't fix our relationships with our kids, with our spouses, with our loved ones without you. So today, Lord God, we repent right now, Lord God. We repent of any of the bitterness and unforgiveness that may be in our hearts, Lord God. We ask you to deliver us from the evil one and open our eyes to the real enemy. We surrender fear and we surrender our future to you, Lord God. Help us to make it a daily habit of being with you in your presence and inviting your presence into our relationships. I thank you, Jesus. We need you and we want to receive divine wisdom, not earthly wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's podcast. Thank you and have a blessed week.